Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. Hey, you know, Tyler did such a wonderful job last week helping us recognize that our identity is not what we do, it's who we are. And who we are is dictated um, by what leads us and drives us. And the Holy Spirit is that element that takes a natural man and does something supernatural through him. And that's important. And we were able to see that and kind of get a taste of that last week. Today, I want us to take the time to examine, though, exactly what a disciple looks like. Here's what I hope has happened over the last uh, two months. We have spent a tremendous amount of time studying what a disciple is and what a disciple isn't. And we have watched our Lord through Scripture draw a line in the sand. And for some of us, we have found ourselves on one side or the other. Some of us have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, but because of the pressure of what we believe, the Bible says like like the sun, it has kind of scorched us. And and so, yeah, we believe, but we're not exactly doing what God wants us to do. And, 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 And we get pressure from the culture. We get pressure from family. We get pressure from school and from work and from places. And because of that, we're just not really what God would intend for us to be. And, and so we're, we're kind of on this side of that line that's drawn. Some of us, we, we heard the truth. We sprouted up really fast. We grew. And like a vine, we began to produce branches. But we were caught up inside of this entanglement that the Bible calls um, the underbrush, like thorns, a beautiful plant growing up inside of thorns and we couldn't get the sun like we should have been. And there's really no fruit because of everything that's choking us. And and, and that connection would be made to those of us who get saved and we start to grow spiritually, but the cares of this life, busyness, entertainment, athletics, the world, materialism, it just chokes us. And and we really never bear anything. And then Jesus says there's a line in the sand on on this side are those followers who have heard the word and the seed planted in the soil and life came forth and we were gleaning from the sun and we were pulling the nutrients from the ground and the, the distractions are gone and now we're bearing fruit. We are followers of Jesus Christ and we're taking the seed of truth and now we're giving it out to other people. So not only have we been growing, but now we're impacting others. Not only is God speaking into our hearts, but now we're speaking into the lives of others. And now we're beginning to see a clear distinction from those who say, yes, I'm saved, but continue to live any way they choose to, and those who have dedicated their lives to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and the difference between the two is really important. What I would like to do is today just examine um, just one of the stories from the Bible from the early church, and then hopefully very soon we're going to move on from this discipleship series, but not move on from being a disciple. And that's what we're wanting, correct? A life change. I I, I would hate and I would personally be burdened to have gone through two months of defining this and understanding this and and not be changed. Right? I mean, I've been changed as your pastor just from the study. But have you been changed? Is, Is there a difference in your life from before and now that more identifies yourself as being a disciple of Jesus Christ and, and, and that is what I believe God is desiring. That's why we have his precious word that invests in us so that we can grow and be more like him. So let's take the time today to examine 
the early church and just take the time. Literally, that's what I want to do in, in all practicality is look into the scriptures and, and, and see what the Lord has to say. Um, let's, let's examine a disciple. I'd like to do this by launching from here. Uh, God has allowed me this past year, uh, since October, to coach one of our city league basketball teams. And uh, I love basketball. Uh, it is my favorite sport. I love to coach it. I love to play it. I love to watch it. I like basketball. And so um, I, I had the chance to coach these kids. We've had a great year. To watch them transition has just been a lot of fun, and we have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I am very animated anyway. I'm, I'm by nature animated. Um, I get really excited when I preach, and number two, I get really excited when I'm involved in sports. That's just me. I, you know this. I'm not the quietest preacher you've ever listened to. I get loud. I, I, I get excited. It's just, just my personality. And, and it's not just that way when I'm preaching, but when I'm watching sports, it is especially a team that I'm involved in, it's big time. So this past Thursday night uh, was the semifinal game. If we win this game, we go on the next game immediately to play in the championship. Back-to-back -back games on this past Thursday night. Our team was one of the top two teams in the league. And, uh, and unfortunately, when they put the bracket together, they weren't paying attention. He admitted it. Um, but we ended up playing the other best team in the semifinal. We should have been in separate brackets to potentially meet up in the final. But that's just the way the cookie crumbled, right? And so we're in the semifinal game, and it is just good basketball, both teams, neck to neck. We're up by five, six. We get tied. They come up by one. We get back up. It's just one of those really fun games, and I am very energetic. I'm the coach who never sits ever from the beginning of any game. I'm the coach that's coaching from the sideline. Here he comes. Cut him off. Trap. Switch. Go! You know, that's just me. That's just my animation while I'm coaching. I'm not just sitting there watching. I am in it with them. It's just who I am. And so we're coaching this game. The game's coming down to an end. We're up by two with about 30 seconds left to go in the game. Our guys are bringing the ball down. I'm waiting for him to get to half court. I'm going to call a timeout, pull him over, and tell them how we're going to hold the ball for the last 15, 20 seconds when all of a sudden one of their players, if you don't believe me, clobbers our player, runs him, knocks him to the ground. I mean, my kid is laying on the ground, picks up the ball, goes down, makes a layup, and ties it. And you know right now that I'm getting very animated. Did you not see that foul? Come on, ref. There's a foul. It's right there in front of the kid's laying on the ground. He's not taking a nap. He got knocked down, right? And so that's, that's what I'm thinking, and I love it. I mean, it's energy. Now we're tied up, and they scored. Our guys come down, throw a Hail Mary and miss. We go into overtime. So my blood's boiling now. I'm on the sideline thinking this game should have been over. A terrible call has lost this whole game. We should be celebrating and going home. So I'm having to keep myself under with the right attitude, keep it all suppressed. I'm pacing the sideline. The kids are getting some water. We're about to go into overtime. Overtime begins, back and forth again, score to score, tit for tat. The score is now tied. We're getting down to the end of the game, final seconds. Our guys come down the floor, and I'm going to call a timeout again. I'm going to bring them over. We're going to talk about this last play. We're going to win this game. And so as they cross the line, I see the trap coming. Now's the time to call the timeout. I know how to coach. I know gameplay. Timeout. Time. Time. I'm yelling time. The referee is running backwards in the play, but he's looking over this way. I'm on his left. I am literally chasing the man down the sideline. Time. 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 Until the ball is stolen. And now I'm furious. A foul is made. The whistle's blown by my team now. I am livid. He walks over to the bench to give the foul call. I walk up to him and I yell, with my face as beet red and as frustrated as I can be, what does a man have to do to get a timeout in this game? And I yell that. And the ref looks over at me and he's a friend. He's a brother in Christ. And his eyes are just like, what did I do? 
All of a sudden, at that moment, and I don't say this to be spiritual, something hit me as if it was a switch turned on in the room. I turned around and the Holy Spirit said, that was wrong. You're my child. And this is not worth it. I immediately turned back around and I went back over to Barry and I wrapped my arms around Barry and I said, dude, I'm sorry. I love you. You could have never heard my voice over the yelling fans and your attention given to the game. I apologize. I am so sorry. And he said, man, no problem. And we shook hands and hugged. And after the game was over and we lost, my weight was not that we lost. My weight was what did I lose while I was being examined? Because that game happened to be the game where I invited some church people to come. (laughs) And there were multiple church families there. There was the Journey youth group that had showed up to that game. And now I'm on examination. Uh, I, I will never for the rest of my life forget me turning around from that man and God speaking in my heart. And then turning back around and making it right. And then going to the coach after the game and making it right. And the other referee and making it right. And then wondering what the perception was. Every decision we make as a child of the king is an example of who we're following. You say, Pastor, that's too much weight. To my wife, I am supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. I'm an example of God to her. To my children, I'm to love them as a father loves his children. And when they watch me at home, I'm an example in their eyes of what God's going to be in their eyes later. You do understand that, moms and dads. The view of God that your children are getting now are from you. As a father loves his children. I recognize that I set an example and I'm on examination here from your pastor. I understand that. But we're on examination in the workplace and how we respond in the bank and what we do driving down the highway and and how we act inside of Walmart and and things of that nature. We're, we're, We're under examination as children of the king. But the thing is, that's heavy unless, unless my life is being led not by myself, but by something greater that's leading me. That decision on that court to respond that way, that was the real ray. That red face and that yelling and that comment, that was who I am. But the Holy Spirit rapidly moved in and he mentioned in my spirit and just for the spookiness of the moment, I did not hear a voice audibly speaking in my head saying, whoa. But what I did understand as a child of God and reckoning through my conscience was, hey, you're his child. There are people examining. You're a proclaimed disciple of Jesus Christ. They're going to be impacted by you. And who did you just reveal? And you didn't have to. You could have shown me. Now go and make it right. And at that moment, Ray McCormick submitted to the leading of someone else that truly I came to find out later really defined who I was. I was approached after the game by one of our parents. And as soon as he approached me, he said, thanks for coaching our kids. We've had a great season. I said, hey, thanks for letting me coach your kids. And by the way, I apologize for the way I acted last night today. And he said this, he said, are you kidding me? He said, I'd have cussed that man out and told him what it's, he said, I would have ripped his face off. Man, you did great. The fact that you went back and said something, I'd have never done that. And that defined the difference between being led of the Spirit and being led of the Spirit. One of our church members who was there approached me and they said, Pastor Ray, don't beat yourself up. She said, I was worried for a minute. She said, I really thought that's my pastor. Pastor. 
And then when you turned around and went and hugged that man, and she started crying, she said, you represented represented the Lord well. We're not perfect. There is none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us in this room is going to misstep and make bad decisions and fall away. But if you're a child of God, if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have a leading that comes over you that you have studied and learned, and you will be approved a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth as you follow um, better direction than that is of our own. Here's what I want to do today. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, and I want you to think through the Scripture. I want you to look at the example. I want you to see the beginning of the church itself, and I want you to watch as two men are put on examination, and then I want us to pull real-life truth out of this passage together that we might apply to our lives. So, so, so let me give you the background, okay? Jesus Christ has now died and is buried and he's risen again. He is living among people. He is seen by over 500 witnesses. That is why there is record not only biblically, uh, but historically of a man named Jesus rising again from the grave. Um, he, he is teaching. He meets in the upper room with his disciples. He is um, by the seashore for some fireside chats with his disciples. And now all that's finished. He's about to ascend into heaven. This is when we get Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore into all the world, teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do whatsoever I commanded you. It's at this moment that Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. It's right here at this same time where Jesus says, all power is given unto you. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you are going to be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, you're going to receive power. You're going to be given authority. And so at this moment, Jesus ascends up into heaven. He disappears They're standing there gazing. The angels come back and say, why are you standing here gazing? Then they leave and go to the upper room. They're waiting on the promise that Jesus had just told them uh, not a short time ago that the Holy Spirit was going to come and you need him more than you even need me to do what you're going to do. The Bible says the Holy Spirit falls upon them as cloven tongues of fire and rest upon them, fills them. Then they go out from there and Peter immediately preaches at what we know as Pentecost. There are thousands of people who have showed up to Jerusalem for the Passover. Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the First time we see speaking in tongues, and by the way, it's the only biblical speaking in tongues. Because there are a thousand nationalities here, not a thousand, but there are thousands of people there, and there are tons of different tongues there. Um, There are people from this country, and and people from, of course, Rome and Greece, and there are Jews there, and and Latin language is mixed into that, and and there's so much Chinese, etc. And so he preaches once, and everybody understands in their known tongue. Speaking in tongues has never been biblical when it's jibber-jabberish. It's it's only biblical when it's an, an actual language a spoken language that can be interpreted. So he's preaching, but everybody's hearing at the same time. And 3,000 people get saved. Super cool event. So watch, let's make this applicable if we can. There's a little over 100,000 people that are living in Castle Grand right now with our snowbirds here. You say, I don't like the term snowbird. Well, I'm telling you, I was just up in Michigan. It's real. I wanted to fly out of there as fast as possible and get back down to the warmth. Uh, winter visitor, snowbird, whatever. All right. Um, we have over 100, maybe almost 110,000 people that live in the Castle Grand area right now. Let's say there's no such thing as church. Let's say there's not one at all in our city. And Peter goes downtown to the neon light section. And he puts up a platform and he preaches. And all of us show up down there for a big cookout. Doug Vaca's got his cooker out. The rest of you are grilling. There's other companies there. They're serving up burgers and cheeseburgers. And now Doug is preaching at a downtown event. 
and 3,000 people trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't leave there and come to new life because there are no churches. They show up at Mac's house. There's about 30 of them there. And Tyler's got about 15 or 20. And, and uh, the Selbys have 20 or 30 at their house. And then I've got 15 or 20 at mine. And, 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 and different ones of you are housing different people. And there's, there's these little churches all over the city. And the Bible says after that, daily are added to the church such as should be saved. The Selbys go out and they share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And somebody else gets saved and attends their little house church. This is how it really all got started. This is how the local church began. It didn't start out like this. And praise God, this is happening. So Paul and, I mean, excuse me, Peter and John decide to go to the temple one day. And on their way to the temple, they come up to the courtyard area. And there's a gate called Beautiful. And there's a man laying there and he's lame. The man holds his cup up and says, money for the poor, money for the poor. You know, got to sign up, we'll work for food, whatever. I don't know what he was saying, but he's asking for money, right? Okay, so he's, and, and Peter walks up and says, silver and gold have I none. What I have, I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he takes his hand, and I believe he stands up, not like Bambi, all wiggly. I think he stands up in full strength and jumps and shouts, and people recognize this is that man that's been laying there and been lame from his youth. What in the world? He's jumping up and down. This is amazing. And crowds gather because of that. And Peter preaches the gospel again. And the Bible says 3,000 are added to the church. Now, some believe this is 3,000, or excuse me, 5,000. Some believe this is 5,000 brand new people. Some people believe it's 2,000 more added to the original three that makes five. But does it matter? A lot of people came to know Jesus, right? And at that moment, for the first time in the church, for them in this setting, real persecution begins. Notice with me in the Bible. Open your Bible to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. Now the Spirit. Excuse me. Acts chapter number 4. I'm still in my Sunday school lesson. Let's go to the book we're going to be in. Acts chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day. For it was now eventide. How be it, many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Now watch. Peter stands up. John, they preach. They teach about what had happened to this man under the power of Jesus Christ. And... Um, at that time, the religious crowd doesn't like it. And so they come out and say, hey, hey, that's enough of that. And they, they bring them into captivity and they put them in jail for the evening. But many people still believed in Jesus Christ on that day. Look at the next morning. The Bible says in verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow the next day that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were with the kindred of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, notice this question, by what power or by what name have you done this? The next day, they get them out of their captivity. They bring them and set them in front of a governing council of religious leaders. All right, here's what we want to know. By what name or by what power have you done this? Now, now let's pause for a minute. What they're literally saying is, who gave you the authority to preach or to teach what you're teaching and preaching? By what authority do you have to say what you're saying? Now, here's what I'd like for us to do. I want us, I want us to examine. I want you to examine. I want you to look into the scriptures and understand the context. I've given you the context. I've given you the surrounding story. You know exactly what's happening in this scenario right now. Okay, so I'm going to read the response and then I want to hear from you um, what it was that drove them, what, what it was that, that gave them that authority, what led them. Notice what the text says. Here we go. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, 
If we this day, notice this phrase, be what? Examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Okay, Tyler taught us a beautiful lesson last week about our identity in Christ is not in what we do, it is who we are. Our identity is what leads us. In this passage, we're going to show and prove how they were led by who they were. What led these men to respond this way based upon this passage? What was the authority that they had to do what they did? Okay, so first of all, the Bible mentions that they were filled with who? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, similar but different from how he previously worked in their lives. Who was Peter and John talking to? Were they talking to Greek people? No, they were talking to Jewish people who understood the old way of the Holy Spirit where God came and rested upon the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle moved, God would move and guide them forward and he would set back down in the Holy of Holies. And later it was set up inside the temple where God would come down and meet with his people. But now because of Jesus on the cross, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives where? Inside of us. And, and Peter said this, Filled with the Holy Spirit. So can we all recognize that whatever flows next out of his lips is not what? Answer the question. It's not him. It's not his flesh. It's not his own thinking. It's not his attitude. It is not him. Whatever flows next being controlled by the Holy Spirit is who? God. Okay, what else? What else gave them authority according to the scripture? Somebody else. I want you to read the passage. I want you to tell me, and I need you to tell me loudly. Okay, that's exactly right. Upon whose authority do you speak these words? I mean, what gives you the right to teach what you're teaching? And their response was this. They said, it's through the work of Jesus Christ, the one you rejected the one who is the foundation for everything that we are. Matter of fact, he's not just the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone upon which every builder starts its work. By the way, by the way, this is not me picking. I, I want to teach from the Bible. This is a proof passage that Catholicism teaches false doctrine when it says the church is built upon the apostles or the pope, etc. I, I, I'm not being mean. It is false. It's built upon the authority of Jesus Christ. When Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, Peter, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, thou hast said correctly. And upon that, I will build my church. And this was not a new statement. It was said in Psalm chapter number 118, verse 22, it was prophesied. The stone which the builders refused is become the head stone of the corner. Isaiah 28, 16, therefore thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth shall not make haste. Matthew 21, 42, Jesus himself said, Jesus saith unto them, did ye ever read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? Did the builders reject the church? There was no church. Did the builders reject the Pope? There was no Pope. 
Who did the builders reject? Jesus. And upon the one rejected would the church itself be built on, not the apostles, but the doctrine of the apostles. Jesus Christ. Notice the Bible says, the stone which the builders rejected, the same it's become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus Christ, watch, is our authority. When they said, by whose authority do you do this, every disciple's brain went back just a couple of days prior when Jesus said this, authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Our faith, our trust, our identity, everything that drives us centers on Jesus Christ. I've shared this before, but it is a beautiful example, and I'll do it quickly. In my home, it happens like this. If I tell Rustin to go tell Reese to do something, and Rustin says, Dad told me to tell you to go clean your room. If Rustin or Reese decides not to clean, he's not disobeying Rustin. He's disobeying me. Because I gave Rustin authority to tell Reese, who is still the elder above him, to do an action. Now, fair enough, if Rustin ever uses or plays that card without permission, guess who's in trouble now? Rustin's in trouble. Don't abuse it. Don't play that card so that we can understand where authority lies. You're not disobeying Rustin. You're disobeying dad. When Rustin comes in the name of dad, listen to what I'm saying. Our identity, who we are, what leads us, what guides us, what gives us direction is the filling of the Holy Spirit and the authority of heaven through Jesus Christ to go be and do what God's commanded us to be and do. Do we understand that? That's the examination. Hey, will you examine a little bit further? Would you look back down in the text again? And maybe instead of telling me what it is, tell me what it's not based upon the word of God. Look there with me um, back in chapter number four. Um, you can start with verse eight. I want you to read it. I want you to figure it out. I don't care if we sit here for 15 minutes. Hey, I, my, my lunch is prepared regardless. I, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna be in that way. All right, so what does it say? Holy Spirit filled, the authority of Jesus Christ. Notice something else in the passage. Look at verse 13. What is authority not based on or led by? Do what? They were unlearned and ignorant men. So, so after this great act had been done, here's what baffled them. After this great act had been done, and they said, by what power and authority do you do this? And Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, responds, it's through the power and the work in the name of Jesus Christ that we do this. At that moment, they saw their boldness. I don't know. I don't know if Peter went, I don't know how he showed his boldness. I don't know what he did. I really don't know. But I don't know if it was just a, you ever seen somebody so confident when they say something? I don't know if it's that dogmacy that showed forth his boldness. It's by the name of Jesus Christ, the one that you rejected. Remember the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no other name except in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and recognized that they were ignorant and unlearned, it doesn't mean they were stupid. And I don't know why I went to a Southern draw with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. All right. Um, Southern people are highly intelligent people. Okay especially when it comes to pickup trucks. I'm just kidding, no. Uh, so, uh, no, we are an intelligent people. Here, here's what it means. It means that they were common. It, it means they didn't have necessarily diplomas or buttons on their, uh, around their collars or certain headgear like some of the Pharisees wore that said, I am elevated, I am a Pharisee, I'm not common, I'm above, I'm bigger, I'm smarter, I'm more religious. And here's what baffled them. They didn't need any of that to have authority. They were just common people. His robe didn't have gold tassels around it. He was just common. 
And, and so many times we let our identity be defined by what we think is a lack of intelligence or status. So we don't do anything for God. Well, if I had Pastor Ray's education, so you really want my 2.7 GPA? Because that's really not all that. It's pretty common. No, no, th this is what I'm saying. That, 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 the point is who we are is confirmed by what leads us. Are you led by the Holy Spirit of God? Now, secondly, I want you to see this. This is, this is pretty cool. This is why this is one of my favorite passages um, in, the, in the New Testament concerning um, the disciples. Their identity was confirmed by now evidence. It was not only just um, defined by what led them, now it's defined by the evidence that surrounds them. So let's go back to the Bible really quick. Look at the Word of God with me. Uh, let's begin reading uh, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant common men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with who? Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, right? So now they're standing here, and these men are being very bold, and they're saying we're here based on the authority of Jesus Christ. And so now they're like, oh, man, man, this is crazy. These common men are doing great and mighty things. And, I mean, we've got a notable miracle here. This is not some kind of fluke. This is not a magic show. This man has been lame from his youth, and now he's walking. Um, I... <laughs> I don't know what to do. Hey, you guys go over there and just wait a minute. We're going to talk. That is literally what is happening. They're all messed up. So they get together and they're like, how are we going to argue with this? This is a notable scene miracle. This is a notable difference. A miracle has been seen, and, 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 but that it spread no further. Why don't we do this? We... We don't want this craziness spreading any further among the people. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them that they cannot teach by this name Jesus ever again. So watch what the Bible says. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. I, I, I want us to talk about evidence. Evidence is so important. So all we're doing today is what? what? What are we doing in the Word of God? We are examining. We're examining a story in the Bible. And what we recognize is this. The disciples moved and were led by the Spirit of God and by the authority of Jesus Christ. How do we prove it? We prove it by the evidence. Whenever God works in somebody's life, listen to what I'm saying. There's going to be evidence, and I don't mean to necessarily beat this drum, but I've got to be honest with you. The Ray McCormick that turned around and went back at that game was not the Ray McCormick left to himself. The Ray McCormick that was real was the one that after he did not get what he wanted, went to the person who failed and stuck his finger in his face and said, what does a man have to do to get a timeout around here? With the rotten, sorry, hateful, vengeful attitude. That's the real Ray. That is Ray McCormick, your pastor, left to himself. But what was notable was something happened in a moment that spun it around. There is still a God upon the throne today, church. We don't have to live in fear that there's not a miracle working God still alive. The same God that said, rise up and walk, is the same God that said, turn around and go back and make it right. And God may not be working, and I don't believe he is. I believe these gifts the Bible says are done away with. I do not believe in faith healings. I do not believe that I can lay my hands on somebody and make them whole, that God is bound to my movement. But I do believe that through the work of the Holy Spirit, God can do mighty notable things. I do believe that God is still changing lives. I do believe that God still heals 
But the truth is, the Bible says we're known by our what? So if we're examining, are we examining? Was a notable miracle done? Yes. Was it done by Peter and John's power? No. Matter of fact, go back again to the story. Peter said, I'm reaching out. I don't have silver and gold. What I have will not help you. I don't have anything that can help you. But what I do have is in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And that man's life was changed forever inside and out. He believed. He put his faith in Christ. Hey, church, today, God is still wanting to do notable things that are unexplainable to some, and it's undeniable by others. They said in verse 14, we can say nothing against it, which means we can't explain it. God is still doing the unexplainable through his people. Number two, God's still doing the undeniable. They said we cannot deny that this work has been done. I love what 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things of the wise. The Bible says, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Powerful statement. He can use you. He can use me. He can use common people. He can use common things when we're surrendered and led by him. When he draws us to himself to follow him and surrender to him, God uses us marvelously. You know what's notable? What is notable today? What is notable? Can somebody share that? I mean, what's notable? So would you think for just a moment, we had a couple of people, we had one in the service and had one after the service. It's pretty amazing. Um, can you tell me briefly, quickly, something notable that has been done maybe in the last month that would have been perceived as wow? I'm not talking about some, all of a sudden you were limping down the road and somebody said, be healed, and you started jumping around. I'm talking about that, okay? If that happened, I want to know about it. I'm talking about what is real life notable? At the workplace, something happened. Anybody have a short story that you want to share? Yes, ma'am. Tony, make it quick. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Who did it, though? Did you do it? Did you lay your hands on her? And... Yeah. Yeah. You ever heard that statement? You ever heard stories where people said, that should have never happened? That's impossible. Medically, that is impossible. Yes, there are notable miracles like that that happen among us every day. I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I can't explain it. But then there's notable things in our lives like when you're working with somebody who has a rotten attitude and they yell at you, but you don't respond the same way. And then they go, why didn't you yell at me? That's notable. There's notable fruits that come from the life of the disciples all the time. And we need to recognize that that's the difference maker. The flesh, that's normal. What is supernatural? What is a beyond natural that's being done in our lives? And then lastly, their identity was enhanced through faithfulness. Can I read this last passage? It's 1216. We had some time praying this morning. And I know I apologize a lot for going long. But um, can we just read this last portion of passage? And here's what I want you to do. I'll make it simple. Would you pull out the things within the passage that you find that because they were faithful... Their faith and the gospel and God was enhanced and seen more clearly through what we're about to read. Simple enough, you pull it out of the scripture. We're not making things, we're seeing what's there in context. Ready? Uh, notice the Bible. Go with me to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. And being let go, verse number 23, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. I believe that's the 120-ish, their own company there. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, Lo, thou art God. 
which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why do the heathen rage and people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. They tried. They tried to stomp us out. Just like David said, your name has over and over again been trampled on, and people have tried to stop it, but they couldn't. They could not stop it. And we thank you, God, for being who you are. We praise you for the work that you've done, the simplicity of the passage. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude, this is the rest of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed of it was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessed of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according to his need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, another country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So let me ask a question. The apostles have been led by the Spirit and upon the authority of Jesus Christ. They've withstood, they've withstood the onslaught of persecution and rejection. They've come together now. <coughs> Faithful. Forward. What did you see in this passage that said, you know what, that's an example of faithfulness. That's an example of a disciple. Anything? What did you see? What's happening in the passage? Loudly and quickly. They, some of them went and sold everything they had. What the text is saying is that they believed that everything they owned was a result of God anyway. So they said, Lord, here it is. However you want to use it, it's yours. What else? They didn't listen to man. They listened to what the Lord That is so good. They, they didn't let man dictate their next step. Their next step. <laughs> their next step. They let God dictate that next step. What else? There's a bunch of things really cool here. Yes, sir, in the back. They gave everything, 100% of themselves to the Lord. That's exactly right. What else happened in the text? They spake God's word with what? With boldness. What else? This is good stuff. This happened in difficulty. This happened in hardship. What else? Quickly. There's some other things. Do what? They met each other's needs. They took care of each other. They were unified, one, together. What else? Yes, sir. Filled, with the Holy Ghost. filled again with the, meaning God had all of them, possessed all of them, the Holy Ghost. They prayed together. What a prayer. They praised together. This doesn't sound like a church that's just been brought before the courtroom. This doesn't sound like a Christian that's going through a difficult time. No, it doesn't. It sounds like a disciple. This is a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is the difference, church. This is just the beginning of the church. This is just the launch. This is just the startup. And these are what people are facing and doing um, for God through the authority of God being filled with the Spirit of God. This is what we have in this passage. And I want to encourage you today to be faithful. They prayed and praised together. They continued in the spirit with boldness. They influenced those who were apart and they had all things common. Notice what it says in the passage. I love it. Great purpose, great power, great grace was upon them all. What a wonderful story. Now let's contrast. Ready? Look at chapter five. Why is this story here? This is Ananias and Sapphira. So all this really cool stuff is happening and people are selling their lands and they have all things in common and they're giving themselves wholly to God. Church, this is not about the amount. This story is not about the amount of money. So don't leave here thinking, oh man, God's going to strike me dead. Okay, if I don't give an offering. 
That is not what the text is about. Here's what it's about. Ananias goes over here and he sells a piece of land for $100,000. But his identity is not in Christ. And so he walks up to Peter and says, hey, y'all, what's up? I'm so excited about what God's doing. This is so cool. We want to have a part in it. Look, we just sold all of our land and we're bringing $50,000 to give to you. Peter said, you hypocrite. This is not a game to be played by somebody who's fake. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't live in front of everybody at church one thing and then say a bunch of junk about the church and about your pastor and about God and about Jesus and about sin and about your life. On the other side, you're playing game. You're, you're a fraud. You're fake. You're one thing with your wife. You're another thing with me. And because you've lied to the Holy Spirit, pretty much down you go. And God struck him dead and he fell. And then a couple minutes later, Sapphira comes up. And she's skipping along. Boy, she's excited. Hey, y'all seen Ananias? I was looking for him. We were going to come out and we sold all that we had. And we want to give you $50,000. We want to give you everything we got. And Peter says, you've lied. And you're going to have the same fate of your husband. You're a hypocrite. The story's not about God wasn't happy with 50000 The story was, what is guiding your life? Who's in control? Are you motivated by you? Are you motivated by people looking at you? Are you motivated by something different? Are you living a hypocritical life? Or do I have your everything? That's the difference between something that's bearing fruit and something that's not. The beauty of the word of God in this early church is God is laying the foundation of what he's looking for. That's people, disciples sold out for Jesus. I love this statement. We'll close with this. What God chooses, he cleanses. What God cleanses, he molds. What God molds, he fills. What God fills, he uses. I love that. God chose that no man would come away from him. And so he gave the gospel of Jesus Christ to draw all men to himself. And those who believed and put their faith upon Jesus Christ, the Bible says he cleansed. And those that he cleanses, he begins to mold to be more like him. And those that he molds, he fills with himself. And those that he fills, he uses. I know it's just a trite, maybe simple statement, but it's a good visual. Are you a disciple of Christ? By what authority do you do what you do? Father, thank you for our time together today. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.